0: This is uh, Joshua Bell with the kilt and the cloth. This is my Tuesday morning Bible study. Uh, We're continuing the Gospel of Matthew. Today we pick up with Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. And since it's been a couple weeks since we've been together, uh, the short answer for the refreshing moment is is that uh, we have been walking through this journey using... Uh, a commentary which is really not a commentary it's it's a it's a book uh, called Matthew in the margins a socio political and religious reading uh, written by dr warren carter and and in his conversation the discussion then becomes how do we look at this with the roman empire not being in the background but being in the foreground of the writers of the first century and it's hard because what we typically do is, is as I say in Sunday school and <clears throat> excuse me in my bible studies is we have a tendency to uh homogenize all four gospels into one gospel that we live by but it's not necessarily the gospels individually and that's hard when we do bible study because what we want to do is, is we want to say yeah but i learned in sunday school yes <laughs> absolutely that's 100 percent right um but for the study of the Gospel of Matthew, this, this focus then becomes even more laser-pointed. Like, how, how do the people of the time re- hear this versus how do the people of today read it? So um, so that's where we're going to pick up and uh, kind of get started. <clears throat> um, there's a interesting... <clears throat> conversation that dr carter brings up about uh the withered hand experience um, that i just kind of want to point out we, we've talked about it very briefly but um the hearers of the first century texts and some of the second century texts are struggling with this separation between jesus as prophet, rabbi, and eventually emperor, to uh, Jesus being a normal human being and divine at the same time. So Matthew really struggles with this. The funny thing is, not funny haha, but the time frame, the Roman emperors would have things written about them that sound almost identical to Jesus, Um, like The, the emperor heals people. The emperor raises people from the dead. Uh, There's, there's a lot of writing of the first century specifically with uh, a guy by the name of Philo and I just lost it. Philostratus that write about the emperors of that first century as almost as if they were like gods, plural. Remember they're, they're gods. Jesus is, uh, works with one God, um, and so, so the, the withered hand thing is uh, we've heard this story before, but not necessarily in the biblical texts of the first century. There's stories of, um, and I'm going to say the wrong name of the emperor, but we'll just say an earlier Caesar healed somebody with a physical ailment that was visible. So think, think of now we've gone from um, talking about, unrepentant cities, to uh, Jesus thanking God, to picking grain on the Sabbath, to literally healing people that are physically harmed. Um, now, I think Dr. Carter would agree with me. There's, And, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out here, but <clears throat> these types of images of like a withered hand usually come from um, harm. Uh, like somebody hurting them, like the muscles in their hand have been torn because somebody cut it or something bad has happened to them. And I, I think that this withered hand story <laughs> is, is, a, is a claim that Jesus's merciful actions to save even the weakest of us because this person cannot serve the empire. You see, they can't work. Uh, they're not doing anything that Jesus even shows mercy to those that are worthless in the empire's eyes um, and heals them so that they become uh, worth something from this point on. Like they have something they can contribute. Uh, They can go to work for Jesus's empire, something new. So this is a little weird text for me, Um, but it's, it's also important for us to have that discussion. Um, Yeah, that's where I'm going to start and kind of just go from there. What I want you to get from all of these things today is is that the one thing that the emperor does not do for any of the people is uh, extend mercy. That's not something the emperor does um, on a whim. He does it for political reasons. Right, But he's not going to do it just, just because he can. Um, Jesus does it and does it freely to anyone and any everyone. The emperor, on the other hand, is not going to
1: do that at all. So is there anything <clears throat> that Jesus didn't heal? <clears throat> not in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay. <clears throat> because he's he's about to make a choice here. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. They're challenging him, mm-hmm. but...
0: He, he could say no. He could say no, but in the Gospel of Matthew, he's not going to. Actually, he hits every single challenge head on. Um, Mark, on the other hand, has a couple moments where Jesus tries and then fails and then tries again and does it. Um, but Matthew, no, he's, he is he is trying to create something powerful. So, yeah, challenge me all day long, Jesus would say. Sure, watch this. I kind of feel like that's Jesus's mantra. If he was walking around with a t-shirt on, and in today's culture, it it, it would say, "Y'all watch this. This is this is Jesus's. Here it comes. I'm I'm, on, I'm gonna heal this guy. I'm gonna heal this guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna curse the fig tree. I'm gonna do all these things, and you're not gonna be
1: able to do anything to me at all." So back to what you said about the emperor. He chooses to or not to. Right. Jesus always chooses to do so.
0: And he always extends mercy and he'll do grace where the emperor will always do politics and society. So, yeah.
2: Okay, so uh, is it bad that my withered hand, the thought, the vision that comes to my head is from men in black when they blow that guy's head off and it goes (laughs) back out? Yeah, no,
0: that's exactly (laughs) what I think of every single time. That's exactly what I think of. Uh, Yeah, so. So here, let's start there. He left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked uh, him, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, suppose one of you only has, has only one sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay a hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So, again, I just got to pause there. Why, Why would the author want us to think the Pharisees are bad people here? Why, why, would, why are the Pharisees mad?
2: Why are they mad?
0: Mm-hmm. Why are they conspiring against him?
2: Because
0: he, he did some, you're not
2: supposed to work on the Sabbath. That's
0: right. He and he worked. Him. He challenged him. Not only did he, 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 he say, I, you, you wouldn't pick up a sheep out of the hole. You're saying a human being is less than a sheep. And the Pharisee says, well, yeah, that's what we're saying. It's on the Sabbath. So this, this is a problem. Now, we, we had this a little bit in the discussion in the last couple of weeks. But I, like I always say, I think Matthew does this thing to show that the Pharisees are angry to kind of make a bad light on them. But I also feel like we need to stand up for them sometimes. Think of our elders, our, our deacons in the church. And somebody comes into the congregation and says, I can heal people with, with the touch of my hand. And your job is to protect our congregation as it is, right? You're the spiritual guide, the leaders of the church and our spiritual life and the physical things we do as a congregation. And some person comes off the street and says, I can I can do all these things. Watch this. I'm like, oh, no, no, you won't.
1: <laughs> right? This is what the Pharisees are doing. And God hasn't been, I don't, I don't want to make it sound terrible, he hasn't been around. Doing things for the Pharisees, or in a while, a long time. I mean, there hasn't been any parting of the seas or anything. So right, well, in
0: the Maccabean Revolt was in one sixty five B C E. So here, so that's like the only time that they have. uh, We are in Matthew chapter twelve, verse nine. We just finished through fourteen. Um, so so yes.
2: Is it because the Pharisees are feeling, starting to feel threatened about this man? And isn't nature, when you feel threatened, you fight back? Yes. They're just being human.
1: Yes. (laughs) That's right. And also, Jesus is doing everything that they're not, or he's not supposed to do according to Torah or their laws. I mean, that's all they
0: got. At this point, all they have is the Torah. Remember, Matthew's written after the temple has been destroyed. So the person writing this is saying, look, it's, it was partly the Pharisee's fault, but it's also partly ours. You
1: know, so this is, this is a big deal. And they're still Jewish. I, yes. I I lose track of that. I mean, I know Jesus is Jewish, but even when this is being written, they're not Christians yet. Right, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, no idea that yeah they're, they don't they're even working towards that. yeah, I've always wanted to know what day that was or where they woke up and went. Hey, the different. <laughs> yeah. different yeah, yeah. There, I think uh, I think a lot of my
0: professors would like that date too. I, <laughs> I think uh, the part that's fascinating to me on on top of the Pharisees reaction here and the withered hand part is is that it's it's a challenge of the ritual and the
1: tradition. That gets Jesus most likely the most in trouble, and even if you're not going to go there, if you're, if they're only doing it for the money, right? They're still being challenged. I mean, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a there's a
0: financial component to this. We don't heal people on the Sabbath. Well, why? Because no one's at work. We're not going to get paid to do that. But
2: well, I have mixed feelings about them because hmm? I, they're doing what they feel is is right, what they believe, mm-hmm. but sometimes you got to show mercy and say, what the heck? This person is in great need here, you know? Yeah. no. So I'm really mixed there.
1: That's what Jesus is doing. But they are us. At the end of the
0: day. Yeah. yeah. See, this is this is why I think the, uh, uh, the author is brilliant here. My favorite thing to do with congregations, is this is when we're having these Bible studies, is they say, you do this already and you don't even know it. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, who gets to have communion on Sunday morning? <clears throat> some of welcome. us grew up that the only ones that could have communion were the ones that were baptized. Some of us grew up with everyone and everyone are welcome to the table. Some of us grew up with, well, unless they were confirmed. Well, we're not confirmation churches, so that's not us. You know. So some, a lot of people grew up with communion a completely different way. Then you talk about it, let's let's take it one step further. Well, what does baptism mean, right? How does baptism work? Well, some of us were baptized as infants. Some of us were baptized as adults. Some of us were dunked. Some of us were sprinkled. Which one is right? At the end of the day, the Bible isn't as necessarily clear as everybody wants to make it out to. But that ritual, those traditions have been embedded in our souls, one way or the other, whether they're right or wrong, is not the point. What Jesus is doing is he's saying, yes, however, it's about the person, not the church. How do you do this for the person? This person is asking for healing. Yeah, it happens to be on the Sabbath. I know we don't heal on the Sabbath, but are you really telling me if you have the ability, you're not going to do that? Are you really telling me if somebody says, look, I'd really like to take communion, but I haven't been baptized. Can I have it? You're going to tell them no. I want to be a part of this family of church and all this other stuff, but I've never been baptized. I'm a terrified of water. Does that mean I'm not going to go to heaven? Are you really going to tell them? Yeah, you're not going to heaven. Like, I mean, I've heard people do that, but this, this is, this is the, the thematic question that Jesus is bringing to them. On top of all of these other little, they're not little, these are massive issues. But this theological concept here, the Pharisees are like, <clears throat> yeah, but you're messing up everything that we're doing. You're not just challenging us, you're challenging Torah. This is this was written down. So this is monumentally different. Um, so then he keeps going but I want to make sure, I I just dropped a hammer, so I want to make sure.
2: I just have a question. If it would be, if it would have been, if it was a Roman, whomever, told their slaves to go out and get the lamb out of the pit, and he didn't, he was Jewish and says, well, you know, we don't do things on Sunday, he would more than likely be killed, wouldn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, whether he was able to or not with the withered hand, so it's like, you've got to be able to do things on Sunday. <laughs> when well, the was going to be killed, then whoever, whoever was doing the killing was doing something on the Sabbath.
0: Well, that's okay because they're, <laughs> they're, they're, pagans. they're pagans.
2: pagans. They're <laughs> Romans. I was, I was going to say, the
0: Pharisee
1: would send out a non-Jewish person to
0: get the sheep. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. <laughs> but he, But my favorite part of this is the common sense scenario. This is what M- Matthew does really brilliantly. There's the common sense thing. Uh, if I've lost one sheep, wouldn't I go out and find it? You know, look, here's this sheep that's fallen in a pit. Aren't I actually, going? I mean, seriously, am I not really going to save that sheep if the Pharisees aren't around, right? I mean, we've already talked about how they were smart in the sense that they you couldn't move from your own property Right. You could only take so many steps. So they, they had a box here and they had a box here and they could go between houses because they were smart. Like they figured these things out. But I mean, it's, it's no different than us. Josh, I would love to be at church on Sunday. I have a family engagement at the softball field, but I will be with my family. Of course, I'm not going to keep score of that. That's not my job. You know your relationship with I God. You know, uh, I mean, be a lot
2: to keep up with. I would. I would go next. Hey, was looking for something else for you to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just added to the list.
0: I mean, in all seriousness, it's, it, it gets to this point of that uh, Ted says it's the it's the classic law versus grace argument. And it's true, and here's a perfect example. Now, I didn't mean to spend this much time on the withered hands, however. Without having this discussion, the rest of this becomes kind of moot. Like it's, if we don't understand that part of the argument the Pharisees are making is, A, protecting their their group of people. And and that's important. I got to give them grace there. Like I, I would want our elders and deacons to stop and say, hey, wait, 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 wait. Let's think about this for a second. B, I think the part, not only are they protecting their congregation or their their group of people, but they're challenging him because what he's saying is completely contradictory to what they understand. So I got to give him grace for those two points. On the other side, Jesus is challenging them because these are common sense things. And then if I was to give a second point, because you've got to do that if you're making an outline, I would say that not only is he challenging that uh, the status quo but he is st- stretching it he's saying we also have to do
1: this so it's both in rather than either or is what jesus is saying and they're saying it's either or it's not deeply intellectually i mean you don't have to be socrates or plato to understand this either right i mean right this whether is... you're able to read or not or whether it's just being read to you. exactly this, this is something everybody can understand. And I think that's what Matthew does brilliantly throughout
0: his whole this whole text. <clears throat> well let's keep going because it gets cool. So when Jesus became aware of this, he departed, smart man. Uh, many crowds followed him and he cured all of them. It's, it's, and it should be on us. Yeah, that's all all of them, and he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Um, I I think it's, I don't remember. 42, one to three. Thank you, 42 verses one through three. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles and he will not wrangle or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Oh, there it is. This is the passage that we always talk about. This is where God enfolds everyone underneath His beautiful arms. You know, uh, it's it's a it's an awesome passage. Of course, they're, uh, Isaiah, they're, uh, I think they're imprisoned by the Assyrians at this point. And there's a beautiful way of looking at this from the Hebrew perspective of that while they're being persecuted, God loves these persecutors as much as God loves them. And that's, I got it. I just have to say that, which is really hard when you're being imprisoned by bad people, uh, you know, you you hear about the Shoah, uh, remember, I I don't like to say the word Holocaust, because literally means uh, Holocaust and fire and people. Uh, The wording is wrong, but the word in the Hebrew word they use for the Holocaust is Shoah. But in the Shoah, uh, this Isaiah passage becomes kind of a thing for them you know their memories of torah become a thing for them our persecutors these gentile people god god still loves them even though they persecute us uh this is this is how powerful this passage of scripture is um it makes us uncomfortable and weird but god has chosen jesus to be the one that brings that love to the Gentiles, is what the author is writing here. That's kind of cool. Um, at the time Isaiah is writing it, he's, uh, I can't remember the name of the king, but the, the purpose that I would take from this, okay, so if you've got a Jewish author writing about a Jewish person who's speaking to a Jewish audience, they always historically would say, you remember when God did this? Um, versus, you shouldn't be doing this because God said. It's more of a when they're having a discussion at a fellowship dinner, they're, shelling, they're sharing each other's stories. You remember when? You know, I I felt like the before we began, Marilyn had this beautiful, this beautiful God. You remember when? Yeah, that's that's a that's a very beautiful way of expressing how the scripture works. That's what's happening here. Uh, And I think that's a a lost art in Christianity and Judaism uh, to talk about how God works within our our lives and then using the text to do that. Here it is, (laughs) which is funny because he does this and then he goes directly into casting out a demon. Just saying. (laughs) Um, And his name is uh, on Purpose. So before I get to that, do I have any questions, comments? Okay. So he heals all these people. And and then they, they are the ones that are proclaiming that Jesus is this guy. So then they brought him to a demoniac who was blind and mute. And he cured him so that the one who had been mute could speak and see. All the crowds were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees had said it, uh, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons, that this fellow casts out the demons. He knew what, what they were thinking and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If uh, What's the word there for Satan? Is it Hasatan?
2: Satanos, Satanos. Satanos,
0: Satanos. okay. So yeah, that's definitely If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. Uh, How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your exorcists cast them out? Or does it say sons? Um, Sons,
2: who are.
0: Your sons. How do your sons cast them out? therefore they will be your judges. But if, if it is by their spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Or how can he one enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man? Then indeed the house can be plundered. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, people will be forgiven for every sin and blasphemy, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in his age, in this age, or in the age to come. So so we'll just pause right there. There's just a whole lot of stuff that we got to break down. But I, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to ask questions. What
2: well, did the Pharisees really believe that he was like
1: using
2: speaking
1: with the demons and stuff or did they just say that they just, they, re- they just said that okay so is this or is Abraham Lincoln quoting the Bible here about the house being divided oh yeah I mean I mean
0: no 100 okay. percent Abraham Lincoln's quoting the Bible here yes <clears> the <throat> house I, divided will not
1: stand yes I, I had heard that but anyway not everything you read yeah. I
2: think is well founded
1: like yeah, Matthew could have been copying <laughs> Abraham all Lincoln they were
0: old I mean this
1: is this is also though this is the unforgivable sin right and yes
0: this is uh everybody always asks me what, what is the thing that God will never forgive me for and this is the only time <clears throat> that scripture says this will be the unforgivable sin to blaspheme the Holy Spirit you know it's um and somehow it's stuck <clears throat> excuse me holy spirit's early here though holy spirit's majorly early i mean we don't, I mean, we don't matthew know. never really fleshes out how the holy spirit works um he just never does he, maybe
2: that's why he said this made this statement because it's a whole holy mystery to him as it as is for something to be uh Kept in reverence because he doesn't
0: understand it and i think that's a that's probably the best assessment. i, I mean he, he the but interestingly enough that they put it in here right after the casting out of the demons and the pharisees saying that jesus has the ability to talk to demons that's a it's a it's a real strong non-jewish practice here that's happening um <clears throat> the uh For example, when he gets to the, he casts out the demons. Uh, Dr. Carter says they would have had to recognize Satan as the source of their own exorcist power, something they, of course, will not do. Um, in Josephus and Philostratus and the stories about Apollonius, he does, those guys do the same thing. Um, Apollonius is Philostratus, is Jesus. It's a different guy. He, he writes um, around the first century also. But the difference between those guys, and remember, the audience is hearing two different things. The difference between those is that Jesus is willing to grant that God is at work in their exorcisms, though the crowds have testified to the superiority of Jesus's actions. So Jesus is playing their game. He's acknowledging that their exorcists are actually real, even though nobody believes that. Um, and he's also acknowledging that there, that he is still superior. He he, he does not lift him up as superior. He brings up as Abraham Lincoln does, basically that a house divided cannot stand. So I would argue, I don't think Dr. Carr is going to do that in this, but again, I'm, I'm a Hebrew guy. So one of the things that is a hard thing for people to struggle, that struggle with this is. It's this 12 tribes of Israel getting back to Jerusalem battle. I think that this is a a direct quote to that as well. The the 12 tribes are completely divided. Nobody's getting along. Um, The ones that you've got in Jerusalem, Benjamin, Judah, and and, uh, Levi, uh, they're they're fighting amongst themselves. They're eating themselves from within. Um, And I think Jesus is calling them out on that and uh and so then the holy spirit then becomes this weird conversation so i'm going to just make this two minute maybe vernacular conversation about the holy spirit somehow this passage of scripture sticks above most of the others uh in cultural understandings of what we can and cannot say um you all know I, I love studying words. I like the entomology of those things. But for some reason, nowhere in any culture is there a, an opportunity for them to put uh, a blasphemous word with the words Holy Spirit. Um, just so that you help me. Um, when it says Holy Spirit in verse 32, what is that in Greek?
2: numatos hagio, the spirit of the holy, numatos hagio, I'm a little confused here, this probably is so elementary, I'm sorry, but there's God the Father, God the Son, um, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. so how can you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and it not be against, I mean, Didn't
1: it say
0: something about
2: you can do this, but you can't do that? I'm confused there.
0: That's good, because this is why we have to have this conversation. Okay. Uh, I think I need to make sure and make this clear. So what you understand is God, Trinitarian, this understanding that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that gets fully fleshed out in the Gospel of John. So remember when we were talking at the beginning of uh, sometimes the gospels don't all agree with each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Matthew doesn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. He hasn't he hasn't figured that out yet. Okay. He's written earlier than the Gospel of John. So when I say that, like Mark and Matthew and Luke are all written before the Gospel of John, so none of them really know Matthew, Mark, and Luke what to do with this Holy Spirit thing. All they know is it's something new, and they use this word, pneuma, and the hagio is like, makes it holy. But this this pneuma is the breath of God. And because they're Jewish, they're trying to figure out, how do we explain this now? Because Ruach, to them in Hebrew, creates life. Well, new life has been created. So there's pneuma being passed on to each of us by our own words. So, um, interestingly enough, Matthew doesn't think God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So that's why I was asking for the Greek part. Because in this place, it's not the same as it is in the Gospel of John, for example. And I think the word, uh, the numo at Hagio is, is that right? Pneumo, pneuma.
2: Pneumatos. Pneum.
0: Yeah, that's not exactly the way it is in the Gospel of John. It's, it's a more fleshed out language, but we'd have to go back and look at that. I don't remember where it is. <laughs> so, with that being said, um, Matthew doesn't know. So, w- let's go back to this blaspheming thing you've heard your whole life uh the the jc oh jc right or you've heard people say oh gd right and you've heard yeah i mean i can't i can't do it uh you've heard people say those things and you, you you see them do it throughout history we have no holy spirit d you know we just Oh holy spirit I'm like this is, it doesn't work in any in any any language uh, they just they just they don't do it so it's fascinating to me because even in literature we have blasphemous things it's so funny not that you guys are going to think this is hilarious but even in the satanic bible they can't figure out how to bl- blaspheme the holy spirit There's are to think about that this is this is i mean how does one figure out a way to blaspheme air (laughs) this is the struggle that they have with the language um and i just find it fascinating that i needed to point out to you because at this time matthew is kind of trying to figure out how do i what do we do with this and i think pam's idea is is really good like i think this idea that the holy spirit is so powerful that matthew's like here it is just walk away from it (laughs) we'll figure it out eventually
2: This time of Jesus, God really hasn't spoken to anybody like he did with Abraham and Noah and Moses and all of them. So, And those were all people that the community looked up to or, you know, they were were leaders, but, you know.
0: And these are the words of God being spoken. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good way to go with that.
2: So it would be hard for them to understand after all these years. Go ahead. So Go back to the, the quote from Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen. Yep. It doesn't say his son. The one I love and whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him. Right. So Jesus, in the eyes of the Jews, just a person. Yes. The spirit of God is not so and you can blaspheme jesus but you can't blaspheme the holy spirit because it is my spirit it is god's spirit
0: and it's and for them this is where it's, i'm gonna get real meta with you okay it's way up here for them it's something that we can't see we can't grasp we can't hold on to so how can we blaspheme something that we physically can't grab or see it at all Like, it's the pneuma, literally the air, the wind of God. There's no way I can blaspheme that. And so for them, if Jesus is this human being, we can throw stuff at him. We can pick him up. He's a physical, you know, tangent thing. We can nail into a tree and do all kinds of awful things. But the Holy Spirit, it just goes through us like wind.
2: I just have to remember that they're living the time. Yes. Not from the outside looking yes. in and see the whole picture. Right. That's that, <laughs> okay. homo- that's that homogenous. That's that yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: And that's hard. I mean, it's really yeah. hard. And and Matthew, this, this, this group of people, they're they're still trying to figure out what is the Holy Spirit. And I just you can see it, right? You could see the little wheels turning in their head. You know, like, oh my goodness. Why are we doing these things differently? Yeah. Uh, and that, and, and this—it's the Ruach of God, and they understood that. You know, this God's creating new life with our words. It's, it's awesome, but very frustrating. When I grew up, we
2: used the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Ghost.
0: Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Holy that's Ghost.
2: Saying something that's invisible. Father, Son, Holy
0: Ghost. Well, it definitely means something. Uh, something not alive.
2: Yeah, right.
0: it's
2: I mean, yeah, it's it invisible. Yeah,
0: it's invisible. Spiritual sort of. Yeah. Spirit. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love, I love all the language that we use for the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's a, it's a thing that we just cannot avoid. Um, and that Jesus, as as Pam caught it, Jesus is passing that Spirit on to all of us around it. So be careful, <clears throat> don't blaspheme the words that come from your mouth. Oh, Choose your words. To me,
2: it's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, no, it's supposed to be a word. Yeah, because he does this right after their exorcists. Right. If, if if I if I can do this with my words and I pass this Holy Spirit on to you, guess what you can do with your own words? You can cast out demons, you can raise people from the dead, you can heal people with your own words. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you are raised from the dead, or you're healed. Um course it's we want it to be more uh like instantaneous and and beautiful like it was with jesus's awesome moments i think that's part of the reason paul gets so frustrated is he never he tries it does it's not the same it's not the same experience as what jesus has so so this is good because it keeps going here watch this
1: oh go ahead one last <clears throat> that ends with uh, you can't be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. Oh yeah. Is Jesus. I mean, you see talking more than the next generation is uh, that. Oh, he's talking heaven. Okay. I mean, yeah. The that, author is definitely talking to heaven. That's yeah. also, <laughs> you more, don't get to go to heaven. That, that's way down the road from where are these people back to Jews? Yeah. There is no heaven. There is no heaven for Jewish people in, in their,
0: history right and this matthew is wanting you to know oh no no there's something different after we die so you mess it up here it's gonna mess you up in the future so with that being said did, we are at verse 33 okay we're gonna to get to 13 i'm telling you i'm gonna try it's just page and a half yeah i only have right. seven minutes so uh Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Sorry. I love it when he does that. (laughs) How can you speak good things when you are evil for out of the abundance of the heart of the, the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of good treasure and the evil person brings evil things out of an evil treasure. I tell you on the day of judgment, you will have to give an account for every careless word you utter, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Like, okay, thanks, Jesus. I feel much better now. Um,
2: that's, what's, what's the Greek for empty word for the for an empty word, careless word? Careless, word. Um, careless is argon. Word is prama.
0: That's the one they use for that one? They use the rhema there? Rhema. R-H-E-N-A. Pro,
2: pro, Ada, Mu, Alpha. Rhema. Interesting. With a rough accent.
0: And that's usually um, like the preaching word. Because logos is... Yeah, an ordinary word. An ordinary word. So rhema is like the word that you're preaching to people. Like that's why they (laughs) named the Rhema Bible Institute in Tulsa that. I've
2: never even heard of that. Yeah. So what, what it's saying here, Josh, not to step on your feet here, is that uh, every word that comes out of your mouth is empty. Uh, if, <laughs> if, my oh, is bad, mouth. if my heart is bad. <laughs> if my heart is bad.
0: If my heart is bad, then every word that comes out of my mouth is empty. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, then you're This is talking about. And they won't let me bring you in the doctor's office. hey Betty yeah
0: I'm not going to the doctor's office with you
2: (laughs) I'm sorry it's
0: (laughs) it's okay the guys on the recording will think that's cool too Uh, that was awesome yeah yeah so this is this is this is a big deal you know you get moved motivated by the Holy Spirit uh your words matter don't preach what you don't believe. And then, um, because I'm I'm just trying to get through this, he then goes, here's the sign of Jonah. This is why he's so good. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, teacher, we will see, we wish to see a sign from you. (laughs) But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign. Yes, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights at the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. This is where you get that language of he goes into the bit of the Hades and then comes back out. This is where that comes from. That's the only place, by the way. But he comes out. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with his generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and see something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and see something greater than Solomon is here. Yeah. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And then they enter and live there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So will it be also with this evil generation? And while he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And then he got slapped. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by his mother punched by his brother Been punched by his brother yeah no this is a uh, uh, as we just kind of end this to chapter 13 you, you 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 you're starting to see his language change notice that he's starting to get a little bit more aggressive notice that he's starting to get to a place where he's he's speaking with authority uh almost imperial authority like you know i he is no longer uh, sugarcoating what he has to say, he is telling you what is going to happen. Um, and this, this is this is important for you to no- acknowledge as we keep doing this. So, if you're a first-century hearer of this, by this point, you're you're either terrified of hearing the next story, or you're electrified to see what you get to do next. Um, this this is a this is a very powerful passage of scripture. Um, I loved how he uses the sign of Jonah um, as also a foreshadowing of the end when he dies and comes back in three days. Uh, that is where the apostles uh, creed comes from. That You know, he talks about uh, is it the apostles and it's one of them talks about, he goes and saves and brings them back. I think it was the original one. One of the creeds has it that he goes into hell and comes back and, saves all these people in three days and but regardless uh that's where that comes from but notice he doesn't say that he just says he just has those moments and um so i'm gonna just do you have any questions or comments before we go all right i'm going to stop the recording there